Well, thanks, for Steve. Thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> Got it working in here. Because this is this is the first time that I've done like a Skype or a Zoom. Because normally I do it like in the studio, and everyone comes in. But there's so many people that live so far away. I figured I'd give it give it a shot and see how we go. How you been, anyway? Amazing, really good, man. Yeah, very good. Yeah. You been do- how long have you been doing it for? Uh probably. It'd be fifteen. It'd be twenty years now. Twenty years. Wow. And what what do you? I mean, what do you call it? Do you call it? alcohol counselling? Do you call it mentoring? Do you have a specific thing that you kind of... It's more it's more mentoring because they call me and they go, oh, you know, this happened, that's happened, what should I do, yada, yada, and I just I just walk them through scenarios and options yeah. Yeah. And, and encourage them to just stand their ground until they work through. Yeah. I think that the safest thing you can help a person yeah. If they're struggling with a, an addiction, yeah. is own the value of reaching out and communicating to somebody to help to bring it into the light, you know. And yeah. by that, I simply mean talking about it openly with somebody you trust who's yeah. not going to condemn you, but is going to speak wisdom or, or yeah. light or counsel way. And even just the fact of talking about how you're feeling right in the yep. moment yep. can defuse it. Yeah. It actually can take the sting or the power out of the driving, you know, the drivers that yep. are driving you. Yeah. It can start to, to disconnect those drivers because you're talking about it openly instead of the power of those things, the power of addiction and drivers work more in the dark just in your mind. Yeah, okay. By yourself yeah. Yeah. and in your spirit. Yeah. Where you, haven't, you haven't talked to anybody about it. You're just hiding it. Yeah, yeah. And the more you hide it, the more you, you mull over it, and the more you meditate on it, the more you think about whatever that is, whether it's a hit, whether it's you know going yeah. to get drunk, whatever it is, the more power that thing gets. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Med- on it and all the things that are that are building you up to that point, you know, all the wrongs or the offenses or the, the crap or the, the yeah. bullshit or whatever. All re- those things. You're building reasons and reasons to it yeah. go forward. And what you're saying is like if you talk to somebody, you kind of like break you break that out a little bit. Like you know what I mean? You're like you're not thinking about it so much. You put it in a light, you're discussing it with somebody else and it's not it's not just looping in your mind anymore as much. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's why whenever I'm talking, mentoring guys, who, yeah. and they call me, yeah. you know, and they call me because something's gone wrong and they want to, and, and we just, that's what we do. We just talk it through and yeah. help them. I try and help them see this is not actually the big thing that you're thinking it is. It's yeah. actually. It's just a part of life, and, and you know what? You will get through this. Yeah. One step at a time, you know, like how to eat an elephant, one bite at a time. Yeah. Just, just one step at a time, do all the practical things that you've got yeah. to do to resolve the problem. Yeah. You will get through this. Yeah, yeah. It is It is kind of like that, isn't it? Like if someone can just, like, tell you to just put one step in front of the other and, and just focus on it and then just give you that. Perspective of to say, hey, it's not as bad as you think it is. You know what I mean? But when you're so caught up in your in your mind, you can only just see one like narrow view. And obviously, with that, 
it's not it's not just that problem. It's all the underlying values and <laughs> things that aren't in line and childhood traumas, whatever it is that's that's magnifying and making that thing bigger than it is. When someone just comes along and says, "Hey, look, it's not that bad. You just do this, 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 and we'll and and we'll get through it." Are there times where you got to tell people like to to white knuckle it through that like that time period? Is that kind of like a tool? Is that just uh, forces or? Well, I try and approach it from a holistic perspective. So, like, yeah. they're not sleeping. Yeah. Well, how, what can we do to yeah. address that? And if they if they're binge eating and and they're you know, they're overweight and they're unhappy with themselves, but they're in a cycle. Yeah. Well, what can we do to break that? You yeah. know, because, because this problem here is not an isolated problem. There are other things going on yeah. that can be impacting. Yeah, yeah. Um, with that uh, whole approach, uh, it's like like your health and your sleeping and those things. So what you're saying is when I guess – when those things aren't in check, you're probably not thinking your best, not making the best decisions. That's and right. You, you're not, you're not. There's other things are uh, creating their own whirlpools of issues yeah. in heart and mind. And yeah. so you've got often when one thing's going on, like a um, you've had a lapse yeah. or, you know, you're in trouble because of a lapse, yeah. there's all these other things going on as well that are whirlpooling around and they're yeah. all trying to suck life out of you yeah. because you feel like your life you don't have control in and in yeah. you're sleeping you know that's out of control and your yeah. your food's out of control and i yeah. don't have a job and oh, yeah. i hate the job i'm in you know and all of these things going on and so like okay how do we how do we find answers for those things plus yeah. I encourage the guys to seek out a therapist who they can go and see regularly, yep. touch base with, yeah. and a therapy that works for them. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, A, there's therapist and therapist, you know what I mean? Yeah, some I, know, of, I know you mean, some, I've been there. <laughs> some of them, have, they, they're nice people, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, for, no, inst- for instance, I'll give, yeah. you, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Yeah. When I was running the, the drug and alcohol rehab program, yeah. I engaged a couple of therapists yeah. who were beautiful. They were beautiful people. Yeah. But they didn't they just did not get how to deal with addicts. Yeah. And we all know that a good addict, a good addict I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. He, he will or she will run rings around you, manipulating you, lying. Yeah. Uh, the smoke screening. That's their skill set. That comes with addiction. <laughs> it comes with the territory, yeah. especially with an established addict. Yeah. And um, I was getting these phone calls and yeah. emails from the therapists who yeah. were concerned about the client's uh, program, right? Yeah. The program they were in. You know, that happens and that happens and, 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 <laughs> And I said to the therapist, these guys came in here with all these problems. Before they got here, they had all this stuff. And the program isn't really the issue. Yeah. The issue really is why are you letting them talk all about the program instead of dealing with all the stuff <laughs> that got them into the program in the first place? <laughs> because all they're doing is smoke screening and and causing you to look at 
all the woes and pain and problems they're having in the program. Yeah. But none of that's the issue. Yeah. It's so true. And I had to end up firing, the, yeah. like amicably, I had to ask them yeah. to leave, yeah. and they agreed. Yeah. They agreed. And yeah. then I I found I found a really nice, he was a country guy, yeah. as in from out west kind of Australian. Yeah. He was just laid back. Yeah. And he he was a heroin addict. He, he had been a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah. And got off, got clean, and and went to uni and became a psychologist. Yeah. And mate, did he know addicts? <laughs> <laughs> and he was perfect for the program because no matter how much they whinged and whined about the program, he just gently, like riding a horse, brought them back to the real issues. Yeah. That's good. It's good. I mean, that type of counselling requires someone to call them out on their own bullshit. Like it, it has that. You have to. You have to have that bent a little bit in that too. Yeah. Um, and and understanding that that psychology, like you said, these. I mean, these guys aren't qualified for it. And then they're, they're pushing off other issues, but they're not dealing with the deeper issues. I found myself when I was, I kind of like mapped out my problems one day on a whiteboard, uh, and then I I looked at all those problems. I got my problems now. Now what in front of me? And um, but then I was like, well, when was the time when all these things weren't a problem for me? Like when was the time in my life they weren't a problem? And then I looked back, and then I was like, okay, well, when I was, you know, my marriage was good, and I had my kids around, and and things like that, I um I felt good, like I felt, you know, my kids were around. Okay, obviously, when I have a look at these things, it got to do with my relationship with my kids. When my relationship with my kids is no good then these things start to happen in my life. Okay, well, there's one thing. And then I wrote down, I said, okay, what else? What are the things left on the board? Where, where does that come from? And I'm like, I looked at them and I, and I thought, okay, when my relationship uh, was no good with, uh, let's say, my mother or this person or this thing, and when love wasn't there, well, then if love's not there, then these things are, are a problem. And I wrote those things, two things down. And when I could identify, and then those things were just like my, um, uh, probably my values, but then what, I could identify those things. Like, okay, they, those when, I, when those things aren't okay, then all these things in my life seem to be a problem. And, and even if I look deeper on those two things, well, they came from, well, my kids came from, um, my relationship with my kids is probably a little bit too much. Like it's probably unbalanced and I put so much into it, but that comes from my stepfather, you know, and then my, my real father not being in my life. And then, you know, those, so it comes from somewhere else that's unhealthy, but establishes value. And that value drives those two values. They drive me everywhere. And it was mm. like when I could identify like those things in my life. I started to figure out what was like driving me. And I think like what you're talking about, like when you when I went, I've been to so much counselling before, but nobody's ever like had a look at what was driving the driving the car, what was making me do these unrealistic decisions. And I probably didn't come up with that tool myself. I probably had heard it probably four or five times, but then. It just clicked one day and I just sort of did it. I think, Adam, I think, this is my own perspective, that the lion's share of our our issues flow from relationship issues and and how we connect with those who love us or and who we love. And if those if that area is if that area isn't right, everything else is out of kilter. Because in the end, in the end, 
it's family. Yeah, yeah. And that family can be very close friends, but also um, married family and blood, blood family, you know. Yeah, yeah. And though... How we how we treat each other in those relationships, how those relationships um, yeah. hold us, yeah, you know, and, and and love us and encourage us, yeah, um, those things they shape us. Well, they if do. we don't, if they're not right. If they're yeah. not right, they shape us the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I had a guy on the program called Jet, and he was talking about his heroin addiction, and in in other parts of his life, he'd been in this different different cycles and he did say in one respect he said all that you know being a heroin addict and watching you know my partner die next to me and all these going to jail and all these things he said comes down to a a five-year-old boy that wasn't loved you know what i mean and like comes back to and i if i have a look at over these doing this podcast and this is my own experience with with being in those circles before going to you know mentorship programs that you ran and stuff like that and going to different things when you have a look at people, you're right. This lion's share of it is relationships, and and yeah. you know, and how we how we see ourselves is that like part of that? Uh, that's a big part. That's a big part yeah, of it. Because you can be you can be believing a lie about yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, that I'm useless and or I'm hopeless or I'll never I'll never achieve what maybe what other people expect of me or what I yeah. expect of me. There can be unrealistic expectations, you know, or yeah. or, or just downright lies, yeah. and carrying the weight of some of that stuff because people live under the weight of lies or unrealistic expectations, and they try and keep trying to achieve something that's out of their reach, or is maybe it is within their reach, and and they've got to do some work on themselves yeah. before they can reach that that goal or that place, you know. Like I know yeah. um, I I went and did – I don't know if you've ever heard of the process called EMDR. And I, 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 I vaguely I, – I have heard of it. Like I've heard of it more of late. Uh, but if you can explain that process to me. EMDR stands for Eye Movement mm-hmm. Desensitization yeah. Reprogramming. Yeah. And – it's a scientifically based yep. therapy yeah. that is that is used by trained psychologists who specialise in EMDR. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, they use programming. It's like a neuro they, programming. Sorry. It's like a neuro programming type thing. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And okay. what they do, it's you could say it's a little bit like hypnosis, except it's not hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, because hypnosis is a very different process. Yep. But I say that because it's sort of there are remnants of similarity, but it's not, it's just not hypnosis. I, and I get, yeah. they, uh, they use a, uh, a TV screen. Yeah. And you remember that game Paddle Pong, you know, with the Yeah. And yeah. so with this one, the paddles don't move, they're just, stationary yeah. on the TV screen and the ball goes between the two paddles. And <clears throat> at the beginning of the EMDR process, yeah. the ball's moving quite fast. Yeah. And you as a client have to ch- you uh, there is an electronic pads that are attached to the TV screen. Yeah. 
and they are held in your hands. Oh, okay. You sort of hold, so you hold these things in your hands, and this thing's going back and forth. Yeah. And yeah. every time it hits the paddle, yeah, it vibrates through your hands. Okay. And the the uh, therapist, while that's happening, yeah. they obviously there's other things that they do. They have they have soft music playing in the background to create atmosphere for yeah. peace and tranquility. Yeah. They uh, they get you to shut your eyes and and tune in to the vibrations yeah. that are happening, and they they then start asking talking to you about your life. Okay. The whole time you're in this holding these balls. Yeah. And as you start to talk and and disclose things, yeah. the ther- therapist starts to slow down the speed. Yeah. Of the ball. Yeah. yeah. And so it took I did ten sessions. Okay. I signed wow. up ten sessions. And the reason I did that was that I was actually at uni when I found out about EMDR. I'd never heard of EMDR, and I was at uni, and and we were studying different uh, different therapeutic methods. Yeah, 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 like tapping and all that kind of stuff, and, and yeah, yeah. Um, and different counselling styles and and yeah. therapeutic methods. And so, as part of the process for my studies, EMDR came up, yeah. and as the lecturer was explaining what EMDR yeah. is is best, because there are there are so many different facets of therapy and styles and streams, yeah. and you got once you start to get your head around who do I see, yeah. Yeah. which road do I walk down, how do I address some of the stuff that's going on in me, yeah. you start to know where to go. Because yeah. without without knowing where you go, it's like giving throwing a map and not and no instructions on how to read it, you know. Yeah, I understand it. Yeah. So I I I used to bite my nails a lot. Yeah. All the time, right yeah. back, way back past the quick. Yeah. And uh, I've I've been doing that ever since I was a little kid when my my parents were alcoholics and they used yeah. to fight, and scream, and yell. And I remember always either hiding in my room yeah. when this behaviour was going on yeah. or hiding under the house and biting my nails because I was so yeah. tense. Yeah, you gotcha. know? And and that became a life habit. And then any time, any stress, yeah. I used to bite my nails. Did you know that, that, that where that behaviour came from there before you went here? Yeah. While I was at EMDR, I realised yeah. that. Wow. And... And so I'm I'm in the lecture and the lecturer is talking from a scientific perspective, they're talking about the validity and the power of the different theories and, yep. and methodologies of, yep. of psychology and and counseling. And so when the EMDR came up and they were they were explaining to me or the class, but I felt like I was the only one in the room when they were talking about it, because I'm going like Oh my God! This oh, is me. Yeah, this is me. This yeah. is my whole life. <laughs> and they're saying, like, like you know, the the uh, children of yeah. abuse, survivors, child survivors of abuse. Yeah. Uh, that and they have all these these different uh, manifestations and behaviors. You know, they do to cope and 
hide all that stuff because yeah. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm going, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm listing these things. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. going like, OMG. <laughs> and yeah. and so, like, and they said, like, EMDR has been tested throughout yeah. universities over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I guess worldwide. 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 Yeah. And in different unis all over the world, and they all come up with the same results, wow. which goes, and that's that science showing you if you get the same the same outcome yeah. with the same tests, yeah. it proves that it's it's a scientifically based yeah. Yeah. thing. Well, it's it, not it's happenstance. It's not yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever happens, uh, this outcome could happen, that outcome. So yeah. And so the science has proved that uh, through the studies at uni that adult survivors of childhood abuse and soldiers on the front line both have the same brainwave activity. Yeah, like a, a PTSD type trauma. Exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And they can't cope with yeah. a lot of stuff in the real world. They can't cope with stress and so they they develop masking behaviours. Wow. That trauma, that trauma that the kids go through from that abuse, young kid with PTSD, like, going through life. Yeah, and they, you don't know. You, you don't know need. why you react this way. You're like, I can't, can't, I don't function normally like other people do. Like, That's and, right. The best, the best person to study is yourself. <laughs> anyway, so... I, uh, I didn't know that when I signed up. I signed up so I could help people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I helped myself. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I signed up for these 10, 10 courses yeah. with the psychologist, and it's it's just it was able to take me to a place where I felt like I was just I felt at peace with the world again. Oh man! Like you know, it's a really little kid. I remember. I used to be such a happy little kid, yeah. and I used to always sing everywhere. I used to, everywhere I went, I used to sing, and I loved life. And then I, as I grew up, I lost all that, and I became really, in my teens, I was ugly. You know, yeah. I was nasty. I was angry. I was an angry, angry teen. Yeah. Uh, because of family abandonment and yeah, all, and abuse. You know, yeah. relationships like you were saying before, like the lion's share of all that. Yeah. yeah, and then I, I became a Christian. Yeah, they were in there late, very late teens. Yeah, and I was headed towards prison, and I know that before I became a Christian, because of the people I was hanging around, the things I was doing, yeah. the life I was on, the road I was running down. Yeah, uh, but becoming a Christian changed that, flipped me. Yeah. Change influence around you. Change it didn't change the wiring in my head. It doesn't doesn't change the wiring in your head. I had this conflict all the time inside me about being anxious all the time and 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 afraid of my my anger that I had inside. Yeah, because there are some. I got a friend, Shane, uh, and um, he he's like the only one that I know that has like done this. Like he became born again, and that was it. Didn't touch alcohol again. That was it. He just and and he's passionate. Like if you if you're gonna tell him that you know, um, are you tell him that someone's an addict or something like that, 
he's like, he's got the answer because you just need to come to Christ and and that and that but that worked for him. And I but I know few and far between guys. I've been in the church circles uh, all my life, and I just like the per, the best person who said is you know is yourself. <laughs> I, I I tried, man. I tried to you know get up there and, and make, you know God take it away or just be this good person or whatever it might have been. And I ran on a the adrenaline of being born again and this hype and it, and I built myself up to this like just high, 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 high. But nothing nothing inside changed. It's like boom. Yeah. It's like yeah. and it's like I, I actually took thirty steps back. You know? Um <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. I mean there's obviously there's good principles in there. I'm, I'm not knocking uh, any of that, but I think there's a like you still have to do that self work that you're talking about. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you're and you so you become a Christian kind of like you changed and, and then from there you did. I had a radical change and I yeah. was like that guy you just said. Yeah. And I I didn't drink. Yeah. I gave up drinking, I gave up drugs and I didn't touch them for uh, about five years and then one day the minister said to me, oh, I want you to become my assistant pastor in the church. Yeah. And I was out of that church within a week. I was gone. I was so terrified yeah. because I knew, like, there was this part of me that was not right, was broken, yeah. Yeah. and I was just afraid. And I yeah. I backslid, and yeah. I was away from Christianity then for about, I don't know, maybe uh, five years. Yeah. And then I came back <clears throat> yeah. probably in, in my – just before I turned 30. Yeah. And um, – just person I am, the way I I connect with people, yeah. um, they they asked me to take on. This was the church, like which was Hope Center, but it was before yeah. it was Hope Center. It was Glad Tidings. Oh, Glad Tidings, yeah. And uh, they asked me to do because I'm I've got trade background. Yeah. Um, they asked me to to oversee and manage a restoration of a building. Yep. Yeah. That I wanted to use as a uh, what do you call it like a like a discipleship house like a for for young people who are either homeless or doing it tough at home those type of young men. Yeah. So I took it on. It was a five year project to completely yeah. restore the building. Yeah. And it was a block of units in the valley. Okay. And. Uh, Guys came in and they spent a committed to a 12 month program. Yep. Half the day was spent working on the building. Yeah. Okay. And half the day was either spent A, looking for work or B, working yeah. or C, studying. Was that the program? They had to agree to that kind of format. Yeah. And so I, I was discipling guys yeah. while I was working there. Yeah. And during that process, is when they asked me to apply for my minister's credentials. Yeah. Um, like an apprentice minister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so I went, okay. So I did that, and we, I just went on a journey from there, and I I learned how to – and I hadn't drunk. I, I never drank. Yeah. And when we moved out of there – and I had no problem laying down alcohol for years and then uh, when we got out of there and I was in my own home I started to have a little bit of of drinking but it never got out of control 
during the time, like I was married to Jenny for 25, 27 years. Yeah. yeah. She was always sick. My wife was always sick with chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it had a little bit of in and out for me. You know, yeah. some, I was abusing it. Yeah. And then uh, Jenny and I, Jenny's sickness got to the point where she, she said, I can't do any of this anymore. I'm too sick and I don't want to hold you a prisoner to a dead marriage. And she she made me leave. Yeah. So. Boys at 18. That, hey. Boys at 18 now. You got committed. They'd already turned 18, yeah. yeah and got from there. And then that's it. You're in the, in the cycle again? Like back in. Yeah. Well, I, I hit the booze hard. Yeah. Yeah. After. Yeah. Um, yeah. At home. Yeah. Because that's that relationship part, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I I had to it was and I was going to uni. Yeah. Yeah. Then and it was it was about then that yeah. I discovered EMDR. Yeah, where? Where? Because uh, I was really flogging myself with booze. And making it happen <laughs> and like <laughs> just trying to function. Everything that that brings. Yeah. Yeah. And so so uh, EMDR it, it revolutionized my thinking about yeah. myself. Yeah. And and I still have a drink occasionally. Like I drink now, but I never drink over, you know, a couple of glasses of wine at night. Yeah. You got check uh, like you got self checks. Like you you, yeah. you you're a bit more a bit more aligned with that. Because it doesn't work to like everyone's a little bit different. Like you've got some people that go, Okay, well, um AA works for me. Well, Absolutely. And that's what you work with, what works with you. Yeah, yeah. Because people like it's a bit like you know, some people with drugs, for instance, they'll go, you've got to have total abstinence. Yep. Uh, then there's other groups who go, well, that's if you want to get free. And other groups will go, well, I've used the methadone program, and yep. that helped, helped me, which is a drug, yep. but that helped me get off heroin and off yep. ice. Yep. And then you've got others who will use Subutex and yep. other blocker drugs, yep. but they're a drug. Yeah, but they work. Yeah, it's the whole. It, it's so, the, and then you got you've got the other the other group who let people come into their programs or whatever or home home programming yeah. where they use other medications to to allow them. Whereas the program I ran was really it was a hardcore one that said absolutely no drugs yeah. unless it's it's been prescribed by a licensed psychiatrist who's properly diagnosed your yeah. it's a mental illness because most addicts have a dual diagnosis in that they're an, an addict. Yeah. But they've also got mental health problems because of their addiction. Yeah. Yeah. But some people have mental health and that's why they develop an addiction. So it can be either way. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. I was because I had um another lady that was on the show. I actually grew up with her. I didn't know her parents were heroin addicts. I grew up with her. And, um, but she was saying that they had mental health issues like prior. And that's the way that they kind of got in it. And I, and I even, I mean, there's a lot more talk about like um, ADHD and things like that these days. But I even, I can see the role that, that ADHD has with, with addicts. Obviously, there's a, there's a, there's a something going on with the brain there and it either, soothes them or does something and I've, I've i've seen that as as well with mental 
mental illness. I'm mean, not that it's a mental illness; it's just a different way of thinking. But you know, and if they're undiagnosed, they don't know why they think or feel like that, or why they do the things that they do. Why they're not normal? And what's normal? But anyway, yeah. another. Song. <laughs> and then when you got, I was explaining this before because like I've, I've had like ADHD and when I was a kid, and I and I, and my mum sat me down one day when I was like sixteen or something. She goes, I didn't, I didn't want to tell you this. When you're a kid, you you had ADHD. I was like, you don't get it when you're an adult. Don't worry about it. Just something when you have when you're kids, mum. It's fine. And then I, and then I was like, I'm always just messing up, like perpetually messing up. And just my mind is like in a thousand places. And that and that messing up causes problems. And those problems get out of hand, and then out of out of hand, and then you're drinking to kind of like put away those problems that you've created because you think a certain way and it's, a, it's this cycle that goes on there. Yep. You would have seen it with people. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a, ter- um, there's definitely a personality type that uh, that a lot of addicts have. When they use the medication and stuff like that, is the deal is just to get to the behaviour in line so then you can deal with the underlying problems? Is that is that the supposed to be the method of thinking because it doesn't seem that way when they come out of jail or when they put them they go in as addicts and they come out on subtext or whatever it is they give them like a you know something to to deal with that but nowhere in that rehabilitation is there <laughs> any like deep diving stuff that in order to fix it and they actually told them like i had this young guy come out of jail he wanted to go into long-term rehab and people at the rehab said Are you on subtext said yes he said well just keep taking that, and you're fine. You don't need to come. You're like, just keep, keep taking that. No <laughs> dealing with any underlying issues or anything like that. And someone noted is probably a resourcing issue more than it is anything. Like, to get someone to help everyone just costs too much money. It's impossible. And we just give them the medication, then that's going to take away some of the uh, behaviours. But like, there's not enough of that deep diving stuff is there no and that's where that's where the healing's found in the deep diving because if if you don't discover why you do what you do you'll just keep on doing what you do without knowing actually you know the old the old the old image picture is why do i keep walking down this same road and fall into the same hole that i've been falling into all my life yeah. Boom. And boom. and boom. <laughs> a, how do I get out and stay out? Yeah. And then, how do I not even not go down that road anymore? Exactly. Well, exactly. And how do I discover a whole new road to walk on that doesn't have that bloody hole? <laughs> yeah. Because because I was because I, I said to I said to this um this kid's mum, because they both came on the program. So I had the mother and I had the son. And they just got out of pr- he just got out of prison. And I, and I said to them, well, you know, I've got a friend who is at Southport hanging out there, you know, on ice, living in a community that they got out in Southport. And um, he's quite happy living there, you know. And then she's like, I don't think anyone's really happy doing what they have to do. But they like, they're walking down this path and they just don't know how to get out of it. You know, they're yeah. stuck. In- That's right. Yeah, and and there's a couple of issues in there, and that is yeah. like like you're not going to get out of something that you don't hate yet, even though you 
might hate it, you mightn't hate it enough. And so if there's a if there's a bit of you that loves that thing, yeah, whatever that thing is, it can be your drinking, it can be your your drugs, it can be overeating, it can be crime, criminal activity. If you if you love it still, you're not yeah. gonna get out of that hole because you're happy there. Even though there's part of you that doesn't like it. Until that part of you that doesn't like it becomes bigger than the part of you that does like it, and the reason that 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 thing's probably developed is you haven't really dealt with the underlying issues anyway. You've developed something that gives you an escape, gives you a a euphoric feeling and makes you feel good, whether it's through drugs or whether it's through alcohol or whether it's through uh, a criminal high or whether it's through... Other things that there's no sex addict, whatever yeah. it is, until you start to want to go face the and get real with the pain that, that thing's causing you, yeah, and start to actually hate it more than you love it, yeah, you'll never walk away from it. Do you think so? Do you think, um, you got so that you got to hate it more than they love it? I guess this is what they call that rock bottom. People get it from the when at the rock bottom, you get to the point where they hate it, so. You know, they they make that change, and you often hear people say, "Oh, he's got to get to rock bottom before he's gonna before he's gonna bounce up." And I guess that's one way of, of looking at it. But you feel that um, okay, but if you're in this cycle, if someone's in this cycle, they don't have to get to rock bottom and hate it if they can start to identify like those reasons as to like why they do. Yeah, if if they genuinely if they genuinely want to find out. Yeah. Answers. They can go on a journey of discovery yeah. and then start to become empowered because knowledge is power. Yeah. yeah. And the more you learn and the and the more the lights go on. Yeah. Yeah. The more you can see in the dark room. Yeah. yeah. Because because when we're walking dealing with stuff we don't know about, like yeah. why do I do what I do? Yeah. It's like you're walking in the dark. Yeah. You know. But yeah. if you start to get knowledge and empowerment. Yeah. With information that is relevant to what you're trying to discover about why do I do what I do? Yeah. Those things become those moments, and I have always called them aha moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those aha moments, they get yeah. like, like that's a light going on yeah. in your brain. And and when the light goes on in your brain, you start to see you start to see that thing or that look at that thing just that little bit differently and go like ah yeah and then it starts to loop the thing that holds us prisoner and and calls us to walk down that road and fall in that same hole it has power over us yeah yeah more you turn on the lights in your brain yeah and you start to see it for what it is and you start to see why you've been doing what you're doing and and some answers and strategies on how to break that yep. it starts to lose its power. Yeah. Because any anything in the dark can have more power of you than when you turn the light on. You know, yeah. like when a kid thinks that there's a boogeyman in the cupboard yeah. and turns the light on, hey, there's no boogeyman there. Yeah. And yeah. and it loses the power that it had. Yeah. Because yeah. so if you're doing that self-development stuff and you're looking at stuff, you're starting to ask yourself some some questions about things. I suppose you start to be more honest with yourself about you can start to be more honest with yourself about why you do the things you 
I noticed that there are there are different types of addicts that I've seen out there, or different types of personality types, really, and, and some um, uh, can see what they do, or or can see that they take part of that. Some just can't see like anything that they do. It's hard when yeah. they get older, because change change doesn't come easy to people. No, of course, and- that you've done it wrongly, and you get to the you get to the later years of your life, and you figure out and it's all that regret. They don't even know about it. They don't even want to think about it or face it. No. Um, my dad, my dad, who's he's passed uh, eight years ago now. He, uh, him, and I, because of his abusive cycles, yeah, yeah. he felt that he had the, the right and the power to abuse me whenever he wanted to, whether that was face to face or over the phone. Yeah, and you know. Because I brought up in that, yeah. I didn't. I never recognised it as abuse. No. Yeah, gotcha. I recognised it up purely as, oh, that's just dad. But wouldn't that that have been a trigger? And as I was studying, yeah, and learning about abuse, this yeah. was before uni. Yeah. Over the four years, I just went. You know what? I I put a boundary in place, and until he owns his behaviour. He, yeah. he has no relationship with me yeah. anymore, and he won't have any relationship with his grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't, I can't allow him to think that he has the right now to abuse not only me but my wife and even my kids. Yeah. Where will I be drawn? So because I'd never realised that this is abuse. Yeah. Like you'd yeah. say that, that everybody knows that, but when you're in it, yeah. Yeah, when you're in the midst of something, yeah. it's normal. Yeah, even the DV. I spoke to, I had two podcasts on DV. One we couldn't release because we just figured it probably not good to release because you could hear it and reoffend. But the other one we released. But one of the things was that when they were inside those abusive relationships, they couldn't see it. They, no, they, you can't they, see they, it. They, and then so someone identif- identify that. But that abusive relationship you're talking about was like you've it's been that way like your whole. Life, and obviously that's causes triggers. Did he drink? Oh yeah, he was he was bad drunk. Yeah. yeah. Did he ever quit? Hey. Did he ever quit in the end? No. No. It's always no. Yeah. The, only, the only thing he quit was smoking, <laughs> but he uh, he and that's what killed him in the end was he got he developed emphysema of the lungs. Oh yeah. But he didn't quit drinking. No. 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 And um, I I just saw that. As just dad, the cycle we had was, you know, he'd, he'd abuse me. I'd, I'd get angry and, and yep. come back at him hard. Yep. That's what I used to do yep. and until I put this boundary. Yeah. And then after four years, my stepmother died, um, who was married to dad, and he, he asked my sister to me to come over. I was doing all the funeral prep, and I was reluctant. And I went over, and as soon as I walked into the door, in the door, and sat down, he started abusing me. <laughs> and I went, "Oh, gee, Dad, obviously the last four years hasn't done anything for you to take ownership of your abuse of behaviour." Yeah. Yeah. I said, "Tell you what, I'll do. I'm going to hop up. And I'm going to walk out the door, and you'll you'll never see me again. I will come to the funeral out of respect." from my step my manner yeah. and uh, I said but I will be by myself I won't bring Jenny or the all the boys yep yeah, yep yeah. that will be the last time you'll ever see me dad 
Will you stop this behaviour? Yeah. You're taking control of it then, hey? You're taking control of this abusive relationship for years. You're like, I'm in control of this now. And But I wasn't doing it out of anger and bitterness. And, no, no. And yeah. I used to be caught in the cycle of payback and fighting yeah. and anger. Yeah. Yeah. I was now doing this out of love for my dad because yeah. I wanted you have no idea how nearly every, at least several times a week during those years, I just wanted to go over yeah. and just to hear my dad say, look what the capture act did, yeah. <laughs> the same, you know, yeah. just to have some kind of relationship with him. Relationship, isn't it? And then I stood up, took a walk out the door, and he burst into tears. Oh, wow. And then he said, Something he'd never said to me in my life. He said, "If I'm sorry." Oh wow! And he said, "Please sit down. I'm really sorry. Oh, wow. I, don't, I don't mean to behave like this. I'm sorry." So I was still very sceptical. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'd heard him say sorry, which he'd never said, I, I was shocked. Yeah. And I said, "Okay, Dad, I'll sit down." And yeah. I said, "I'll I'll bring Jenny and the kids to the funeral." Yeah. And I said, but you and I need to talk now. Let's talk after the funeral. Yeah. I said, we won't have a discussion about this until after the funeral. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And I said, but after the funeral, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about how you are no longer going to abuse me. And yeah. you, anytime you want to talk to me, you will talk to me with respect and dignity. Otherwise, you won't talk to me, Dad. Yeah. Oh, good. I said, okay. Yeah. And, we, and over the next number of years until he passed, which was 15 years after Anna died, he, he only he crossed the line twice. Not too bad. That's not and too bad. each time he did, I, I pulled him up. Yeah. I said, Dad, I said, Dad you, you've fallen back into wanting to speak to me the way you think you can any time. I said, you can't do yeah. it at you. Yeah. And I said, do you want me to hang up and give you some space? I said, or are you going to pull yourself up now? It's your choice. Yeah. And the first time he said, oh, I need some space. And so we hung up. And the second time he said, no, 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 you're right. I'm sorry. And he pulled back and kept on going in a, in a good discussion. But it was all about boundaries and and how to how to apply the boundaries in a healthy way instead of bound Because people can put up boundaries and that's like, Talk to the hand. Talk yeah. to the hand. <laughs> Are you crossing my boundary? I'm like, I, yeah. like yeah, no. and I get it because I'm sort of why are you doing that boundary? I mean, I mean, obviously, like that relationship was causing problems within your life as well, and it was love for them. And I think a lot of people that are um, in these like cycles of addiction or just <clears throat> bad relationships with people that they need to put up these. Boundaries and take control of that, especially in an abuse in an abusive situation. Yeah. Effectively, if you're an addict, you're caught in a cycle. Is that what you're? Is that what you'd effectively say? Yeah. If yeah. you're an addict in a cycle, you yeah. can be in a cycle in it, like an abusive cycle. Yeah. I have with that, yeah. and not you don't even realise it's a cycle. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a light, a light coming on. Yeah. Um, and and that's why therapy. Talking to a, a good therapist yeah. about every aspect of your life because yeah. it's all the hidden areas yeah. can hold us prisoner. You yeah. know, 
that are interconnected with other areas of our life. And that's why a good therapist will explore every aspect of your life. Yeah, break it down to that point where they start to see what the driving factors are. My, my philosophy and theology on alcohol has moved and shifted a lot. Yeah. Um, when I was caught in the cycle, I hated it because of, of the impact and the, uh, on, it, on the people I love and how they treated me while under the influence. And as I've grown and matured, I'm looking at it very differently to how I used to look at it. But okay. I, I know that alcohol is, can have a lot of power over people if they don't know how, how to have power over themselves. Okay. Yeah. And is that, is that different it, to like- it's a bit like money. Money, yeah. you know, people go, money is the root of all evil. Well, actually, no, that's not true. Yeah. It's the love of money that becomes the root of all evil. And money itself is not, it's, it's, a, it's an inanimate object. It can't be evil. And, yep. and with, with alcohol, alcohol is simply a, a drink and, and yeah. a substance. And yeah. you can either use it or you can abuse it. Yeah. And it's a socially acceptable uh, item, but people don't know how how to have boundaries and how to make calls for their own life on how to use it properly and effectively. And so if you don't have the ability to apply those boundaries, if you don't have the ability as an individual to say, I'm only going to have drinks I'm out or I'm out, or tonight I'm not having a drink. If yeah. you don't have that capacity, yeah. then, you'll, then perhaps you're not in a place where you're ready to play with that. Yeah, yeah. So you haven't, you haven't and so it's about me, it's about having having boundaries and knowing your own ability to say yes or no. If you If you don't have that ability, if it's always got to be yes, and and if it's not just yes, it's more and how much more, and I can't stop. And that's when you know you need help. Yeah. That's right. Think that people can really change? Absolutely. Yeah. You think change is possible? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. You know, human brain has the ability to rewire itself and think differently and make choice pictures how you learn how to not walk down the same road and fall in the same hole because the reason you walk down the same road and fall in the same hole, one of the main reasons is the wiring in your brain, which is neuroplasticity. Yeah. And like while I was at uni, um, we did studies on neuroplasticity yeah. and the whole rewiring of the brain through yeah. both Injury, like people who've had brain injuries from car accidents, yep. people who've had surgery on their brain because of cancer, yep. uh, etc. Uh, even, even you know, there are there are people today who who are epileptics, yep. and they're such severe epileptics that they laser out the part of the brain where the shortages are happening. Yeah, well, and what happens in all those cases, and this is with uh, scientific research and study where they've actually mapped out the uh, neuroplasticity through uh, through graphs through through imaging they use imaging and yeah. in over time lapse they can watch the brain shoot out grappling hooks 
Yeah, wow. Across the area where the brain's been yeah. damaged or it's been cut well, away or whatever, and, and it shoots out and grabs a hold of another part of the brain and it, and it starts sending out wiring. Yeah. And it creates a new pathway. And, and that's the same process where people who've had strokes and people who've been injured in war and stuff, they can teach them how to do things differently. Yeah. Simple things, you know, like picking up a cup and they teach them how to do it differently than the way they used to. And yeah, um, that's yeah. all part of the process of re- retraining the brain to think differently. So you ask the question, can, can we really change? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about it's about retraining the brain to yeah. think differently so yeah. that you actually make, oh, there's, there's the sign down for that road to go down the same road that leads to that big hole that I used to fall in. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going down that road anymore. Yeah. Because I've learned, I've learned how to walk on a new road. Now, that rewiring, like, and there's no simple answer to this. That's why we've got you know, psychologists and counsellors and, and all this stuff. And um, But that re, that rewiring takes place um, because of like, what, what part of the, the recovery process or the deep diving does that take place? At? Is, is, there no, is there no, like, that time that that takes place or it's just that constant moving forward or you, you learn to find something that you, you grasp onto and then you just change the pathways. Like, how does that come about? Yeah, well, I think the first the first process is is sitting with somebody who can give you information and knowledge that or that helps turn a light on. Yeah. And that's either through therapy or self help groups or reading, even yeah. by yourself, reading information on. And that moment the light gets turned on, and you have an aha moment. That's only the beginning of the journey, and then because you've got to actually start to rebuild, you've got to create and carve out a new, a new way, a new, a new path, a new life, and and all of those things are about connection, decisions, information, communication, transparency, yeah, having the right people around you. Making more discoveries, realizing what actually is a better way to, to live life and how to wake up differently than the way you used to be waking up with regret and hangovers or, or you know, all the things that go in the stream of your addiction. Yeah. So, the first, so, so that, that, that place is like you're saying, they, they have to want to, like they have to hate it or they have to want to do that work that you're talking about and then go to someone and then. Yeah. Won't move off base one if they don't hate it enough. I hate it enough. If they love it too much, what? Why would you? Why would I want to go if I if I love it? Yeah, yeah. You got to be to that point where you're trying to you know, overcome, and you want to, and you and you want to move forward. And you go to a psychologist, and and then I, I suppose, or or a counselor, then you start to learn tips, and you start to sort of move. I guess move forward. You hear this saying that once an addict, always an addict. Believe that? Be true. No, not at all. I've known too many people who've broken free and walked away. Yeah, yeah. And changed their whole world, their whole life. 
that's just a cliche. It's a bit like, you know, snitches get stitches. It's a, just a cliche. <laughs> it's a cliche. Well, I mean, because because that's part of that. Some of the programs are like that, aren't they? Like, you know, they they go down, and but it works for maybe some people. But I I, I struggled because I I didn't I didn't want to go to a program that said this is the way you're always going to be. Yeah, you'll always be you'll always be an alcoholic. Always be a drug addict. Yeah, I know. There are programs that that's how their philosophy rolls out. And I, even though there's incredible power in, in those programs, incredible, there is some of the philosophy in it, and this is the same with every program because every program is only done by humans. It has elements. Everything has its own limitations, I yeah. think. Yeah. For sure, but this I don't agree with any anything holding a person uh, in a picture yeah. and they say this is what you are forever. Yeah. No, absolutely. If you take a picture of me today in five years' time, I'll be totally different. Yeah, it is. We are a community of like one person, but we're like a community of different people all the way through our lives. Like, yeah, we we do change. Yeah, we're on a journey, yeah. and that journey, that destination. It's it's not fixed. Yeah, it's not fixed, and 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 as you walk day by day, and the choices you make, yeah. that's what leads you to your destination. And you can break away. Anybody can break away from old ways and old habits and old behaviour, because because out of all of the all of the creation of 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 beings on planet Earth that have brains. Humans are the only ones who have the power and the creativity to change. Yeah, we we can reason a bit more. We can we can see things. We, you know what I mean. Like we can change. It's definitely it's definitely true. You, you have the power. The power. You, have the power. you have the power, especially if you can see it. You want it, and you're hungry for it, and you're thirsty for change. Yeah, it will happen. I, it I've will. Had people ring me up or or reach out to me and and ask me if you know. I've got alcohol problems. I've got a friend who's got an alcohol problem, and um, I personally, I don't have the, like, I don't have the answers for them. That's why I wanted to get like someone like yourself on that. A change is like possible, and these are the, these are some of the driving factors. Like, like we talked about, like getting down to what's actually driving you going down that one way street, falling in the hole all the time, and like how to identify the cycle, and then the first. The first step. So, if someone uh, is in contact with me, or or if I'm if I've got an alcohol problem, the first step is definitely finding a psychologist and then counselor and finding the right one. Are they sort of books? Like, if you can't get into a counsellor today, I actually found Steve that um, there's limited resources and counsellors and psychologists are backed up. Like, yeah. three months to get into something you want to fix today. <laughs> I've had enough. I want to fix it today. Oh, yeah, we can get you in in three months' time. You're like, three, I'm going to be dead in three months. I need help now. Um, <laughs> like, hard to get that. And then, so uh, there are some like a availability uh, things available on on YouTube and uh, good books. Read Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or um, they they start with different uh, philosophies or, or concepts. Yeah, they do. Uh, and every every psychologist has their own special yeah. field. Yeah. 
Okay. And because they're a psychologist doesn't mean they're going to be appropriate to work with a person with a drug problem. Yeah, yeah. Or with an alcohol problem. They can do general counselling and general therapy, but they're not they're not specialised in working with them. And it's, that goes the same with psychiatrists. Yeah, yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah. And, uh, they finding the right people, and you're right, it's very limited yeah. out there yeah. uh, because, you know, a lot of psychologists, they don't want to deal with too hard basket of, of addictions. Oh, true. So yeah. they specialise in children's psychology or women's stuff and, uh, you know, yeah. other fields, but they don't specialise in drug and alcohol. Yeah, and addictions. yeah. So... Finding the right person is one of the steps, and yeah. it's a key, it's a key step. Yeah. Um, but but there are other there are other steps like churches run self help groups like we were running when you you were there, and stuff like you know the different programs that are run transformation programs and stuff like that. I think something you said which was so, key talking about transformations programs. I'm talking about self-help groups they run uh, that like man to man and those type of things where you're in a you're in a group setting with other guys and it, and it's it, it's about helping you learn how to be transparent and connect yeah and they're just baby steps i think on a journey to restoration but they help help Something you said earlier on in the piece was having that conversation with someone you trust to bring it out to light. It seems that seems like that seems like a first, like a starting place. Yeah, you you do need you you do need a buddy, somebody you can talk yeah. to, turn to. Who's not going to judge you, or who's not going to uh, be extreme and and tell you, oh, you you know, yeah, you got to do this and you got to do that. Look, you don't need that. Any advice? I, you- Often, you, often you only you need somebody who wants to listen, not not tell you what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's so true. Just finding that support around you. That's been it's been good, like Steve. I really appreciate you um went on and and uh, talking about that. But it's really like it's it's a journey. Like um, and I'm I'm hearing yourself like you've gone through that that journey. Uh, you're a believer in that change is possible, and you're living it. I mean, you got a house. Overlooking beautiful islands, <laughs> you know, life's, life's getting to a point. Though life's 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 good, you, and you you're getting back into your passion that I'm talking about, getting um, back in your passion of helping people and 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 stuff. And such a key, like to have people that I mean, you just showed me some, some tips one day. Those tips that have like I always think about them, and they're just like someone just showed me something in a couple of seconds, you know, and. Transform those aha aha moments that you're talking about. The light switches on, and I'm always in a like I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to better myself. And some of the key things that you said today really have um, a part of my journey as well. And I appreciate you coming on today. That's okay, mate. In out of the field working, like I was in it full time when I was meeting with you. Yeah, um, but I've been out. I graduated from uni in 2018, and then I went just to have a break. I needed to just (laughs) 
have a break. And I I went to this restaurant. Yeah. And then I got the uh, I uh, I already had my heavy vehicle license, so I signed up. And yeah. I'm driving buses at the special school kids. Okay. And I really enjoy it. Very low, low stressed, no no pressure. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah. um, I've just in the last couple of months, I've been uh, talking to Jilly about. I, I'm I've made a decision at the end of the year. I'm going to go and do my uh, masters and my PhD and specialise in psychology, drug and alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've got too much life in me and and yeah. too much passion in this whole area to yeah. just lay it down, and I can't lay it down. Yeah, I don't want to lay it down, and I know that I can. I can position myself in a far greater way if I if I allow myself to go through the training and education to be able to do that. And so, at the end of this year, that's I'm just going to settle into the new house and do some do some renos and twerking and not twerking on a pole or anything, but tweaking tweaking the house and make it right, and then. I'll be ready to start uni. Oh, that's good because I mean I, man, I see people who are caught in that struggle. Like my boss's ex-wife, he passed away now, but when you, she always had alcohol problems, and then she'd ring me drunk and talk, tell me the same thing she's told me five times before. I really feel for her. Like I really just would just love her to have the tools that would just change her life. Yeah, I hate watching someone. Often, really, really good people that are caught in these cycles, and and you and I, and I, I feel terrible for them. I feel like if I had the tools, I, I would want to use them to help them change um, for, for their own good. Not change them because I want them to change um, so much, but just just I want everyone to have a good life. Like, why should everyone have a shit life? Like, why should anyone go <laughs> cycle and crap? I mean, that's life. Like, I get it. Uh, right. You know what I'm talking about. I do, mate. Yeah. I do. That passion that you've got, like, uh, finish those things, the same thing. Like, you don't want to see people in a struggle, do you? No. And uh, and I know I've got knowledge and the ability and the, the personality to sit and walk through with people and to mentor them and help them change yeah. because I know it's possible and I, I've seen it happen. I've done it yeah. and I've. I've assisted many others, yeah. and and I know if I develop the skills I have to an even greater level, that will only yeah. benefit benefit anybody I work with. Oh, for sure, sure. Like you, yeah, you definitely definitely got it. I mean, and you've experienced it. Like, and you can help people with it. You like talked about those psychologists before that uh, haven't got experience with addictions. If you've gone through addictions yourself, so you're going to be able to help other people through it. And I. That's off. People who are overcome things, I think it's it's brilliant, and I think it's possible. You're giving everyone a bit of hope today, anyway, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> really appreciate it. And I'll I'll let you get back to your. Thanks, mate. Is the weather good up there? Oh, look! <laughs> Can you see the blue sky? I can't, mate. I can't. Can't oh, see it. You can't see me. No, but that's all right. Oh, that's okay. Well, I'm looking at the window. I'm looking out the window and there's not a cloud in the sky and it's beautiful blue and I'm on 20 acres here and it's just stunning. Wow, that's great. There's a nice gentle breeze blowing. 
and it, it's 23 degrees and it's lovely. Did you ever did you ever think you'd uh, you're going through the things that you went through uh, like all of addiction and uh, you know in your darkest places? Did you ever think you'd be in a place like that now? No, never. Never. <laughs> never. Mate, I've been out of Brisbane now since 2017, I think I left. Yeah. And I never want to live there again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've fallen in love with, with regional Australia. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm here at the White Bay at Fraser Coast. It's just it's a really beautiful place to live. You're promoting it really well. Like house price, like for four hundred and like sixty five thousand, I can get a house that overlooks the water. I think, I think you can <laughs> move in there now. <laughs> After that, uh, yeah, no, it's good. I can yeah. see, I can see you now. <laughs> oh, can you? I can see you now. Put it back to you. There you go. I'll, I'll turn, I'll turn, I'll turn the video around and show you the sky. Yeah, show me the sky. Oh wow, mate, look at that. It's a beautiful day out there. Is that it your back? Is- you're on like acreage, or yeah, I'm on 20 acres here at the moment. What? I'm only renting, so I think I've been here for four years. 20 acres, wow! It's what? just stunning. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. It is beautiful, it really is. Mate, I'll let you enjoy the rest of your day. I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll catch up soon. All right, mate. All right. It is really good talking to you, Adam. It's been good. It really has been really good. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. <laughs> yeah, anytime, mate.